The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. Thank you, Scott. Well, well, let's go ahead and get this meeting started. It is 5 o'clock after all, so I want to provide a warm welcome to everyone who is here this evening for our uh, City of Kalamazoo Committee of the Whole meeting. This is not a a meeting we necessarily have on a regular schedule, but this is a a work meeting that we have that is devoted to particular topics, and we have an important topic to discuss this evening. So I'm officially calling this meeting Committee of the whole meeting to order for Monday, August 29th. And our first order of business is our good clerk to call the roll. Commissioner Decker. Present. Commissioner Hess. Present. Commissioner Hoffman. Commissioner Juarez. Commissioner Pradel. Present. Vice Mayor Cooney. Present. Mayor Anderson. Here. Thank you, Clerk Borling. May I have a motion to excuse Commissioner Juarez and Commissioner Hoffman from the meeting this evening? So moved. Motion made by Commissioner Hess. Support. Supported by Vice Mayor Cooney. All in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed, nay. Thank you so much. The motion passes. City Manager Ritzma, communications. None, Your Honor. Thank you, Manager Ritzma. Now is the opportunity for public comments. Uh, Public comments at a community of the whole meeting are limited to two minutes. We'll start with public comments from anyone that's in the chamber. It can be on any topic. Please come forward, state your name and whether you live in the city. And once we give an opportunity for anyone in the chamber first to speak, if there's no one, we'll be looking for individuals who may have called in. So seeing no one at this point, Deputy City Manager Chamberlain, has anybody called in with a public comment for this meeting? Uh, We'll go ahead and check. Having a little bit of technical. Let me double check something here. Okay. It does not appear we have any calls. Thank you, DCM Chamberlain. I appreciate that. Well, we are down to our work, City Manager Ritzma. So. Uh, what is on our agenda for this evening? Thank you, Your Honor. And um, I'd just like to call forward our Director of Public Services, James Baker. Um, we have something a little unique tonight in that we're talking about utility rates here in the um, end of August. Uh, 
obviously with a lot of the concerns in inflation and uh, our costs in the utilities, um, we need to be looking at a rate adjustment sooner than later. So I'll turn it over to Director Baker and he'll be able to walk you through the, uh, the presentation we have this evening. And then we also have our rate consultant, Bart Foster, uh, available via uh, virtually. So, Mr. Baker. Welcome, Director Baker. Honor, uh, City Manager. Before I get started in the presentation, I did want to um, acknowledge a guest we have here tonight, invite him up to speak, Mr. Tom Wheat. Uh, Mr. Wheat represents the Utility Policy Committee. Uh, the Utility Policy Committee is a joint cooperative effort uh, between the City of Kalamazoo and the area local governments of our utility system. It helps to set matters of policy and recommendations for uh, the public utility. Uh, Mr. Wheat. Hello, uh, thank you for having me. Um, so, yeah, I'm part of the Utility Policy Committee. Uh, the Utility Policy Committee is a, is a committee that was set up uh, in the new water contract, the new 40-year water contract between the city and the townships. And one of our duties is to uh, help review the rates, any rate increases, uh, amongst other things. And for tonight, it's, it is the rate increase um, and so, and make recommendations to the city commission after we've had a chance to look at it in our committee meetings. Uh, and I just wanted to let the city commission know that we did look at that on August 11th at our meeting and uh, utility policy committee is recommending uh, the increases in the rates that James is gonna be talking about on the water side. Um, so, and thank you for having me up here. I wanted to be part of this, but I do have a meeting uh, I have to go to at six, so I didn't wanna, I wanna be able to address you before I run out of here. So when I do run out of here, I would like to stay, but I have to go to a different meeting, so <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Mr. Wheat. Thank you, and then um, as acknowledged by the city manager, we do have our cons rate consultant, he's on the line with us, and as we work through the presentation, um, and there's questions and comments. Uh, we'll have an opportunity for city commission to interact with the rate consultant um, if that uh, questions do arise. So we'll go ahead and get into the presentation. Again, tonight we want to provide an overview of what, what are the water and wastewater utilities. Um, these water utilities are larger than just the city of Kalamazoo, so we want to present uh, some of the coverage area and, and talk a little bit about that. We also want to talk about our projects. We're going to highlight some specific 2023 projects. We're also going to talk about a lot of the strategies and performance of a lot of the projects that we have been working on over the past few years. Um, that will also kind of lead us up to talk about our proposed rate increases and then the schedule and timing of what those proposals look like. So on the screen in front of you, you have a uh, little bit of a, a blue polygon uh, that area represents the coverage area of our water utility. Uh, the water utility and wastewater utility have a little bit different customer background. And so we serve a lot of the same customers, but there are some differences between the two customer bases. I want to provide some highlights of the Kalamazoo drinking water system. Again, this is a, a very large water utility. It's the uh, largest groundwater only 
water utility in the state of Michigan. And from a drinking water utility size standpoint, it's our fifth largest drinking water utility in the state of Michigan. Um, there is uh, some very unique components of our drinking water utility. Uh, a lot of that also focuses on our decentralized uh, supply in that we've got a number of, of wells, 94 wells, and we've got 16 uh, points of treatment or points of entry into the system, 13 of which are operational, and we can talk more specifics about that as we introduce some of our projects. The wastewater coverage area is a little bit different as I introduced earlier than drinking water. Uh, the green polygon that you have in front of you represents our um, service district or service area of the wastewater system. Uh, the most notable difference is that um, the City of Kalamazoo wastewater system provides service for all of City of Portage in that we are the treatment plant for the City of Portage. Uh, the rest of the areas are all very similar in terms of connected townships and then we go all the way up to the north up into Barry County uh, through a partnership with Go Lake Sewer and Water Authority and we also go all the way over into Van Buren County with a contract service agreement with the village of Manawan. Some highlights of the wastewater system. Um, again, it's a pretty large system, it's very technically advanced. Uh, the treatment plant here in Kalamazoo has some uh, very unique advancements that uh, were built out over the years that provides uh, some real opportunities for economic development um, and support a lot of unique manufacturing that happens here in Kalamazoo. Compliance rating is really important for us. Uh, compliance rating is essentially all of our permit required um, discharge parameters that we discharge back into this Kalamazoo River and we're measured on that, that performance. Uh, what you see in front of you at 99.83% performance uh, is a set of data gathered from January 1st through June 30th of this year. Uh, transitioning into some of our um, highlighted capital projects, um, I'm just going to broadly introduce a lot of these projects now and then we'll get into some more detail here in a little bit. But um, if we look at the wide array of capital projects that we're looking at doing, it's a lot of focus on lead service line replacements, cast iron main replacement, we'll talk about that, station treatment and process improvements, both in water and wastewater. Uh, we are making sewer improvements in linear assets and again some um, enhancements and treatment at the wastewater treatment plant. So talking about lead service line replacements, this is something that City Kalamazoo really became heavily focused on in 2017. In 2017 the city set itself up to um, achieve 20-year replacement at that time. At that point we've accomplished 500 replacements per year with a goal to have all lead service lines replaced by 2037. Last year we hit over 940 replacements. That's our single best performance in any one year, nearly doubling our one-year goal. Uh, we've got a couple of large area projects. We've just completed our East Kalamazoo project and we are now in the process of transitioning to North Kalamazoo project. The North Kalamazoo project is going to be completed in two phases. Phase one, which we're under right now, looks to get after 37 streets within the Northside neighborhood proper. Phase two will start next year and then we'll expand our area out to go all the way to Nichols Road to the west, all the way up to Mazel to the north. Main Street will be our main or Kalamazoo Avenue will be our southern limit of their project and then the east limit of that project will be Kalamazoo River. 
One of the programs that we did want to highlight is our free um, lead filter and lead testing campaigns that we've been doing. Um, anybody can call City Kalamazoo at 311 or 337-8000 and request either free lead sampling or a filter, and we will provide that at, at no cost. Uh, one of the great things that we've done in partnership with our Community Planning and Economic Development Department is actually set up to go door to door. We started uh, canvassing neighborhoods and going door to door um, in mid-July, and we're gonna be going all the way through the end of September. Uh, through this work, we're able to make a lot of positive connections into the community and connect folks to resources. Um, a direct output of this program is that we've had over 1,300 requests for either filters uh, or testing or assistance within the home. And so that's a, a, a great statistics. That's 1,300 additional families that are now protecting themselves and have see, sought and are receiving information about protecting themselves from lead. So we're really excited about um, our stats on that and being able to reach out and touch members of our community. Uh, our 90th percentile currently, where we're at today, uh, and this is a, a number that we just got back in August uh, that covers our January 1st through, uh, through June 30th testing timeframe, we are at seven parts per billion. The limit um, is, excuse me, the action level, if you will, is currently 15 parts per billion. In 2025, that action level is gonna drop to 12 parts per billion. Water main replacement is something that we've been really focused on here in City of Kalamazoo and, and coordinating with our street projects. This is uh, essentially using an asset management plan approach to infrastructure investment in Kalamazoo, whereas when we do a major road project, something like a Cork Street or Portage Street, Oakland Drive, um, this is a great opportunity for us to partner uh, resources and dollars within the water fund as well as with street transportation dollars so that from a a project standpoint, we can have a, a better impact back to our, our neighborhood. And so we've got a number of projects that we listed out that were very successful in doing that. And we've got a tremendous list of streets on there where within the next two years, we plan to perform uh, cast iron main replacements. So why cast iron main replacements? Why are we looking to do this? Um, this map in front of you is kind of a heat map, if you will, where the green lines are represent water mains that don't have any main breaks. The blue lines are water mains that don't have any main breaks and are new. And then the yellow and the orange and the red lines are water main sections that have experienced uh, increased frequency of, of main breaks. And that, that previous list uh, that we had in front of you really gets after some of our, our worst areas. One of the streets that was identified on there was Lulu a section of Lulu has over 28 main breaks. And so that's something that we want to be responsive. That's something we want to be able to go back and reinvest into our neighborhoods, our core neighborhoods, to make sure that we're reinvesting in this utility infrastructure. Another uh, major project that we've got, uh, actually this project was already awarded, a $5.9 million project that's currently underway is a transmission looping project. Uh, the project that we highlighted in front of you here is 33rd Street Loop. Uh, the goal of this project is to loop the uh, high pressure district with the east side pressure district, east side high pressure district. Um, and what this does, this is a project that's working towards our um, consolidation, water reliability, and water resiliency, in that we can connect the resources of two districts together uh, to really enhance our uh, productivity within those districts, and we can have 
two districts now share resources in terms of production. So we've got multiple production sites to, to produce water and distribute out into the system, as well as storage. So we can utilize storage facilities in the high to help support uh, water demands in the east side high and, and vice versa. You just heard me talk about storage. Uh, storage is a key component of system reliability and resiliency. Uh, those water towers are there not only to, to help us in times of uh, power outage or need to keep the system floating on, on, on water pressure, uh, but also to help sustain and, and absorb impacts from uh, frequency changes in demands. So if we didn't have water towers, we would rely solely on the pumps, and the pumps would have to run 24-7 to keep the pressure up. The water towers help sustain pressure and make it so we don't have to run the pumps as much. Um, from a AWWA, the American Water Works Association, from broad recommendations that they have for fire control and our ability to uh, have resiliency in, within our system, we look to have about 25% of our max day as water in the air, so to speak, or water in towers. And so that's one of the things that we're working towards. Uh, the new water tower on US 131 at our Siesta site uh, that bears the Kalamazoo Promise logo, that was a, a pretty recent addition to our high pressure district and that helps uh, support city Kalamazoo and our broad, including several township area along the southern belt of, of our city corridor. We're building a tower just like that out in uh, Texas Township as well, and uh, that's just gonna help the resiliency of the system. We talked earlier about station improvements. Um, we're gonna be making a lot of um, improvements in the treatment itself at the station. This is where we feed uh, phosphates to help with corrosion control as well as uh, sequestration of iron and we were looking to optimize that program through a number of station improvements over the next few years. Station consolidation, that's a project where uh, we're looking to tie in a station that's near Central. There's a, a small station located right behind Bright Eyes Brewing, just on the corner of Burdick and Crosstown. Um, that station uh, previously kind of was isolated. It would be a station in and of itself. Uh, so we're looking to bring that station in and use it as a uh, input, like a raw water input, to central so that we can increase our accuracy and precision of treatment. We can do that at central, but have you know, some more redundancy. So we're gonna be looking to do that throughout our system in a goal to kind of help enhance our ability to offer better precision, accuracy, and control over our treatment technique. Speaking of treatment, um, I'm gonna highlight some of the program and, and, and project goals for our station five project. Uh, station 5 sits over at the corner of Skippers and uh, East Michigan. It's kind of on your way out of the city if you were taking East Michigan as a, as a way out. Um, that station has been there since 1914, and that offers uh, our water for our in intermediate pressure district. Uh, we're going to be completely reimagining that station. We're building a whole new station footprint. That station footprint will have full-scale iron removal, full-scale manganese removal, and then another um, component of that station enhancement is gonna be PFAS removal. So we'll have the full parameter PFAS removal to meet or exceed our uh, Michigan MCLs. And so what this will allow, uh, when the station is completed, the station can go online 
and then we can base load this station up into our east side, excuse me, our intermediate pressure district, and then out in the additional pressure districts as well. So this will be a major enhancement, a major step towards um, improved treatment throughout the city. Jumping over to, to wastewater now, talking about some specifics of improvements we've made there. Uh, we've been doing a lot of work focused on odor control. Uh, we've completed $4.5 million of um, specific on-site odor treatment at the wastewater treatment plant itself. Um, those units have been online since July of 2021. Uh, we've been steadily improving our EnviroSuite community odor um, screen, if you will. And this is kind of that image shows you that's a similar uh, map image that you what you'd see if you went online, uh, odor observations at City Kalamazoo, and you can see in real time and you can trend uh, where the hydrogen sulfide readings are. We've got community sensors and in-plant sensors as well. Uh, we're going to be taking uh, part of a, a new project this year uh, on the discharge of graphic packaging where the clarifier discharge to our, our system. We're going to be making some hydraulic improvements to that. Um, the goal of that project is going to be, again, to reduce aerosolized uh, odors that, that are kind of generated during that uh, cascading flow process. And we're going to also eliminate a junction chamber that formerly sat on graphic packaging property. Uh, we're also going to be looking at some passive odor treatment. So we've got a, a project that's going to kick off yet this year. Uh, we're going to install some uh, passive odor treatments on one of our interceptor networks. Talking specifically about sewer upgrades, um, that was one of the highlights earlier on, but to get into some of the details of that, uh, we're going to be making some uh, trunk line sewer improvements at a siphon, our John Street siphon. Uh, so that kind of takes flow from Lake Street and John Street and conveys it up towards our Axtell interceptor. Um, that project is going to see a realignment of a siphon, increase the size of that siphon, and then um, reconstruct John Street from Crosstown to Lake. And that's going to help uh, to increase capacity uh, within that area of the sewer, dist sewer districts. Um, another uh, few projects that we're going to be doing is getting and improving courts and alleys. This is something that we've been uh, doing this for a number of years now. We've, there's a lot of courts and alleys in, in the Vine uh, neighborhood, and, and many of those are private streets in that the street property is actually owned uh, by you know, mutual agreement between all the property owners. There is uh, public water and there is public sewer in those areas. Uh, those areas are in need of reinvestment and so we're working to go through and, and reinvest in those. So uh, this work started, I'm going back a number of years now, but Houston Place was one of the first areas that, that we started this work on. And just for an example, that was a two-inch lead main. So the, the water main itself was lead, and then it fed all the individual homes with uh, lead pipes. So that was a project that we did um, and worked with the community to do that. That is a public street, but there's a lot of other ones Dutton Court is an example of a project that we did that, that is private. Um, so the street is private, but the utilities, water and sewer, are public. And just like every utility, we've got to make sure that we're investing um, in those areas as well. So we'll be getting after those projects. Vine Street Trunk is another capacity uh, sewer project to look to increase capacity. A very large project I'm sure you folks have heard about is the Ransom Interceptor Project that's coordinated with our um, 
Northside Cultural Business District work that we're doing to improve the corridor on Ransom. So that's gonna be a very large diameter sewer, a 42 inch diameter sewer that's gonna go in and connect from Westnage down to Wallbridge where the next upstream section was already upsized. So when we did the roundabout, uh, going back a, a number of years here, we upsized that section of sewer up to 42 inch to be able to handle increased capacity and flows from areas that originate within our core city and areas that originate to the west of us. So this is the next step in that process. Uh, we also want to highlight some manhole rehabilitations we're doing. We also want to highlight um, manhole casting replacements, things that we're doing out in the township in partnership with the Road Commission of Kalamazoo County. So there's a lot of work and we could go into all the details of all this stuff, but I think it's important that we highlight how much work we're doing in the water and wastewater utilities. Tertiary treatment is a project, a $13 million project that was awarded in January. We're, we're on pace to complete that um, next year. And again, this is a, one of the processes within the wastewater treatment plant. So the, the footprint that you see there, that was a unused clarifier. We're taking that space, we you know, reconstructed that, and then that's now gonna be the footprint of our, our tertiary treatment operationally next year. So just kind of taking a step back from all that work on the projects and looking at investment in terms of dollars and, and kind of where do we stack up year over year over year. And if you look, uh, we've got some bar charts in front of you. The green is investment in wastewater. The blue is investment in water. And you see that um, due to a number of contributing factors, level of service increases, changes in regulations, and aging infrastructure and need of replacement, you see that there is a remarkable difference in annual investment now versus a period of we went back several years ago. You can go back a decade or so and you can see there's just a, a fundamental change in investment over time. And again, this is investment that's happening for a number of contributed reasons, level of service, new and changing regu regulations, um, as well as aging infrastructure that we're looking now to re reinvest back into. To take those bar charts and, and turn them into real dollars, uh, we're looking over a five-year period of $300 million of investment in water and wastewater utilities. This is direct investment into our communities, direct investment back to assist, help sustain the future of growth and uh, enjoyment, economic enjoyment of our community. So we're just stepping now into the discussion on, on rates, on utility rates. And so I wanna make sure we highlight that the water and wastewater utilities are funded uh, through user rates, user charges. So the water bills that we pay for water and sewer, those dollars that, that we pay go back to fund the system, the funds operation and the funds maintenance. So, what we pay is very important to help sustain and, and, and keep these utilities running. One of the components of our water rates are equalized rates in the drink, on the drinking water side of it. So uh, we talked early on about uh, some of the core goals of the Utility Policy Committee and kind of stepping back before that, our, our master agreement, our 40-year agreement that we entered into with our partner communities. One of the, the fundamental principles of that agreement was that we would have equalized rates in, in drinking water. So I just wanted to highlight that. There's many benefits of that. 
Um, and we can kind of get, in, get into some of that, but I did want to highlight um, that and all that good work. So from a rate increase standpoint, the rate increases continue to fund all the great work that we talked about, all those projects, the operations and maintenance, the work that we do, and the work that we do to invest back in the community. When we left off last year, when we submitted through the budget process, our rate increases that went into effect for 2022, and then we also had projections of, of rates going forward. During that work, we identified that future rates for 2023 would be approximately 15% for water and 12% for wastewater. Given unprecedented inflationary increases, some of the things, contracts, such as sludge hauling and disposal, some of the things that we've been bringing back to commission, um, nearly every meeting have gone up in pricing. And that increased pricing has kind of led us to make some changes and recommendations going forward. So our, our utility rate recommendation is 20% effective October 1st for wastewater and January 1st for water. And so we've recognized some difference in timing on these recommendations. Um, and that really is to uh, one that that recognizes the immediate need for rate increases in wastewater. Uh, it recognizes a need to uh, you know, establish these rate increases on an earlier interval in drinking water. And then it also you know, staggers them and steps them out. So October 1st would be the recommendation for wastewater, January 1st for drinking water. And then going into the future, and again, so this, these rate increase recommendations, we're categorizing these as fiscal year 2023 rate increases, recognizing that the wastewater rate increase would go into effect before the water, but once they both go into effect, those rate increases would be in effect throughout 2023, and then we would come back through the budget process, perhaps earlier, to make recommendations for 2024. So timing is important. Um, that's one of the things that we learned through doing this work, is that if we're able to bring in the rate increase recommendations or the rate recommendations and bring them in so they take effect in January as opposed to March where we had been operating in the past uh, and then we realize nine months of revenue, direct revenue uh, from that versus 12, that the 12 months is, is a better turnaround for us. When I kind of relate the, the rate increases to real dollars, um, so for uh, city and township, you're, you're looking at between $5.47 a month to $8.87 per month. And so the reason why we've got some variability on these numbers, you know, one, it recognizes there's variability in usage among customers. So not every customer is going to use the same amount of water. Uh, there's also a variability in meter size. So depending on where you live in the community and the size of your house, the size of your lot, that sort of thing, you may have different size meters. And your utility bill has two components. You have a readiness to serve, serve charge or meter charge, and then a commodity rate. And again, city and out city customers pay the same for water. Wastewater has a little bit more complicated customer classifications. On the drinking water side, everybody's a retail customer. Whether you live in the township or the city, everybody is what we call a retail customer. 
on wastewater, we have several different classifications of customers. We have bulk rate municipal customers in that we're selling treatment services to another agency, such as a, a city of Portage or a Galesburg or Go Lake Sioux and Water Authority, to where those agencies are then serving their customers from a retail basis. We also have a number of what we consider significant industrial user customers, where we're providing treatment for waste streams independent of some of the other retail characteristics, and that we have direct billing uh, for quality and quantity so that we measure and charge in accordance with the uh, characterization of those ways. Wastewater rates, wastewater rates uh, as we see, will remain low in comparison to a lot of other communities in Michigan. Um, the typical increase given this projected 20% or proposed 20% rate increase would be about $3.47 to $6 and five cents per month for a typical city user um, and about 477 to 845 per month for a township user. Now, we will tell you that the city rates for wastewater at this time are lower than township rates. However, there is no ordinance or agreement that says city rates have to be lower than township or out city rates. It's just a function of where current and previous investment has occurred and where current and previous um, life cycle and age of utility assets are. So at this time, city rates are lower um, than township rates for wastewater, but there's nothing um, that says that has to be. It's, just, it's a function of the rate methodology and it's a function of where the investment is and has occurred. So we wanted to share this um, chart with everybody. This is a community comparison. This kind of shows where Kalamazoo is in comparison to other Michigan communities. And you see the um, orange bars represent Kalamazoo inside and outside rates before the 20% proposed rate increase, and then where those uh, bars would move in response to the 20% waste proposed wastewater and water rate increases. Um, and you see that, yeah, the bars are moving towards um, the center, um, but we remain among the lower uh, across Michigan municipalities and remain below average. So the, it looks like Muskegon and Wyoming are, are lower than Kalamazoo once we make those rate adjustments. Uh, we, we will share that uh, a lot of communities will be facing similar uh, challenges in, in terms of supply chain costs and, and, and cost escalations. Uh, going back again last year when we met, uh, we talked about what are, you know, what are some of the uncertainties, what are some of the drivers uh, that, that may impact our ability to come forward in the future and to remain committed to some of those earlier projections. So last year we projected, hey, we think we're going to be at 15% of a recommended rate increase for water and 12% and for wastewater. So really to highlight some of the, those uncertainties to look at what has changed between what we know now and what we thought we knew back in October and November of 2021. We saw dramatic increases in, in fuel and things associated with fuel, things like sludge hauling. Uh, just to give a, an example of where we were last year, we had an annual sludge hauling and disposal contract of $4.5 million. We learned this year in July we brought forward a $9 million 
uh, sludge hauling and disposal contract. So we had no indication that that um, contract was going to take such an increase. And so some of these dramatic increases have really come to kind of create the need for rate increases that, that we're projecting forward today. So we, we spent a lot of time talking about the projects we're doing. We spent a lot of talk, time about rate recommendations. We broke that out into some specific dollars uh, so we can understand some direct impacts. But you know, we do want to acknowledge that, one, we take this work very seriously. We understand that these costs impact our community members. We recognize that, and we are working to, to help to address that. So one of the things that uh, we've been working on since last year, we received grant dollars from State of Michigan to work to develop a Kalamazoo water rate affordability program. Um, that's something that we are working on right now. Uh, we plan to bring this forward for comment to the utility policy community first. Um, it is our goal to have this uh, up and running for 2024. And that's really gonna focus on ensuring that we're providing some baseline uh, levels of support for our most vulnerable citizens. Some of the things that we have in place right now um, certainly, we're going we're gonna to hold off any shutoffs through 2023. So during 2023, we will not be doing shutoffs. We have payment plan options. You can call us and set up a payment plan for uh, account in arrears. We also have uh, smart meters that we're working to implement. Um, right now, our main program is through attrition, and we do have some um, focused area installations of, of smart meters as well. And what the smart meters allow us to do is identify changes in usage in real time so that we can uh, coordinate and, and work with the, the homeowner or user of, of, of the customer of that system to make sure that uh, they're aware of those usage. Customers can also uh, kind of take their usage in, into their hands. So, you know, we have the ability for a customer to view in real time uh, what their, their account usage is. This year, we also have the low income uh, water affordability program. That's something that's implemented through the Community Action Agency. We've got a number up here. We'll be sharing these slides. These will be public. This information will be public. Um, and this will offer support uh, for, for families that are um, have past due water or wastewater utility bills. Um, and that um, this program does align well with um, some of the nutrition programs that are already in place, like Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program and some of our um, programs in, in schools such as the free and reduced lunch pr program. So um, that program will run through September 2023. We're also looking at bringing dollars in. Um, this year we're, we're, we're proud to uh, highlight that we brought over $6 million into the water utility. We had $5 million of Booker grant funds that are being implemented right now, the Northside Lead Service Line Replacement Program. Uh, that was also supported by an additional $1 million earmark from U.S. Representative uh, Fred Upton's office. And we've got two uh, pretty large projects that are in the state revolving fund program right now. Uh, Kalamazoo has been ranked, and uh, we're ranked 29th in the water uh, projects, and I forget the ranking on, on wastewater, but we're ranked in that as well. The next step in this work to identify funding is to identify where Kalamazoo comes in in the fundable range. So they'll apply those dollars uh, based on your funding priority. So we're hopeful um, that that's still in the development process and we're still looking to, to apply for uh, additional dollars. 
Next steps are gonna talk through, you know, where, where we plan to go from here. Um, we've spoken, we're speaking here at a public meeting. Uh, we also spoke earlier today to a stakeholder group that, of representative municipal customers and contract industries, folks like uh, Pfizer and some of our, our, our customer communities. Uh, we plan to bring ordinances forward uh, for consideration on September 6th for first reading and then September 19th for, uh, for, for, for a vote for action. Um, if, the, if those are successful, we would be looking <coughs> effective dates for wastewater, October 1st, and effective dates for drinking water, January 1st. So with that, we'll open the floor for discussion. And again, um, we've got Mr. Foster on the line and uh, we'll respond to any, any questions or, or comments from the City Commission, thank you. Just a quick question to start off here because we have some information from Stantec here as well. Do you just want to mention how they're related to this process? Yes, thank you, Your Honor. Um, Stantec was uh, brought uh, forward at, at the recommendation of the Utility Policy Committee uh, to look at and, and make recommendations for drinking water rates going forward. So this year is a unique year in that we've got Mr. Foster uh, retained. He was already retained earlier in the year and kind of charged with calculating our rates and supporting us in that professional work product. And then as we went through uh, the process of uh, selection using the um, QBS or quality uh, qualifications based selection criteria, the UPC uh, made the recommendation to uh, move forward with, with Stantec for uh, water rate consultants. So this was a unique uh, opportunity in that we were able to get uh, water rate recommendations from Mr. Foster and the Foster Group, and then we also have uh, water recommendations from Stantec. I can tell you that they agree uh, that, that the firms uh, support each other in those recommendations, um, and that uh, going forward uh, we'll be uh, working with both Mr. Foster and Stantec again, uh, as Mr. Foster would be our wastewater consultant and then Stantec uh, would be, be the water consultant. Uh, both Mr. Foster and Stantec were quite engaged uh, with our UPC and uh, Mayor, you can attest to that as a, a member of the UPC that uh, UPC members were able to interact uh, quite well with both Stantec and Mr. Foster. And just to follow up on that, Stantec was selected through a process run through our purchasing department, the RFP, correct, and, and ranking uh, proposals that came in, and they were selected out of that process. Correct, and then uh, just a matter of uh, housekeeping here, uh, the City Commission at its uh, September 6th meeting will actually consider the contract for award to Stantec. Um, so uh, like many consultants, when we get a project that's moving pretty quickly, uh, they were able to, to work with us and, and start their process and recognizing that uh, that formal recommendation will come before the City Commission in September. Appreciate it. Uh, questions for city staff about, uh, yes, Commissioner Hess. Uh, thank you for this, Director Baker. Uh, so in September, the first reading will go through and then we will be voting on both wastewater and water rates at the same time. And the wastewater just goes into effect in October and then January for the waste for the water. Yes, that's correct. So from a, uh, a, an agenda um, topic, you'll have two agenda items. Uh, one agenda item will be chapter 28 
which is wastewater, and you'll have the ordinance readings uh, in, in accordance with that. And then you'll have a second agenda item, which will be drinking water, and that's uh, chapter 38. Uh, so you'll have an opportunity to vote on those independently. And then in the ordinance, it will be written out that the wastewater rate recommendations will go into effect October 1st, and then the water rates, if approved, would go into effect January 1st. Other questions for Director Baker? Commissioner Decker. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you, Director, ba Director Baker. Um, no one likes an increase in anything, um, although everything nowadays is, is going up, unfortunately. Um, can you talk some more about what a smart meter is? Are they required in a home? Is it something that um, a resident can request? Yeah, thank you very much. So a smart meter is just, um, it's, a, it's a different form of metering the flow and conveying it back to the city more real-time um, manner. And so we've been uh, working for a number of years now to create kind of the backbone or communication system uh, for these smart meters to, to operate on. They use radio frequency and they're able to kind of broadcast that information, that flow or usage information back to the city uh, quicker than the, the meter um, technology that we had in the past where we would go out and actually read meters through a contract, and we still have that. The majority of the system still is um, those, the older type of meters. And so with the older type of meters, it's our goal to read them four times a year. Uh, however, we acknowledge that there's a lot of times that your, your meter is estimated. And you can see that on your water bill where it might say actual or it might say estimated. And so if it says estimated, uh, we didn't read it for whatever reason and we're taking and making an estimate based on your previous usage. Uh, what the smart meters do is they, they take um, that demand for us to go out and actually read the meter um, and it just in real time is constantly providing that, that information to us. So that if we have a concern or, or if a customer has a concern about uh, usage spikes or um, a, a leak or something like that, you can identify it much quicker. And so we're currently implementing smart meters through attrition in that every service call that we go on, every CMO change meter out that we go on for a work order is always gonna be the new smart meter. We also have um, some projects where we're in the southwestern portion of our system and we're installing smart meters in, in large areas. Uh, we do wanna work through our lead service program in kind of our, our north and east areas uh, to to get that work done, and then we'll have programmed within our, our CIP some future state dollars to really go after smart meters. So in terms of cost, we're looking at about $16 million to get the entire system up and running on smart meters, and that's gonna be a future capital program. That's not identified right now with the projects you have in front of you. Thank you. Um, I do appreciate you know you and your team for the forward thinking, especially when you talk about the program that you have in place um, that'll be starting in 2024. Um, I like that because right now we are, as you said, still on the non-shutoff memorandum, and having something for residents to be able to come to you and say, "Hey, I need help," versus just saying, "Hey, you owe us a thousand dollars all at once." So I do appreciate that. Um, I did want to say that, again, you know, kudos to you and your team, Commissioner Juarez, you know, and I, when we had that discussion regarding the lead replacements and going door to door, 
we see how much that is impacting our residents. Um, so I definitely appreciate that. Yeah, thank you for all of that. And again, as Commissioner has said, we'll be voting on both of, the, both of these together at the September 16th meeting. Okay. Correct. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Decker. Other questions? Vice Mayor Cooney. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, great presentation, James. You, you're doing great work, really great stuff. Um, is our increase consistent with what other communities are doing? Yes, thank you, Vice Mayor. So we understand that, that Kalamazoo is not unique in that um, these costs are, are, are really escalating. And so, um, you know, other communities may take some time to work through their, their rate recommendations. And, uh, you know, I, I can't give specifics right now to tell you which community is, you know, has a rate increase in, in store uh, for, you know, they, they've got teed up for, the, for their next agenda. Um, but, I, but I can tell you, um, the cost increases in sludge hauling and disposal are real, and we're, we're seeing other communities are dealing with the same things. Um, one of the things that our wastewater division manager, Mr. Cornell, um, he now sits on a, a Michigan Water Environment Association um, subgroup to, to, to focus on uh, cost on, on, on that component, on, on the sludge hauling and, and um, disposal methods. If you look at our, our community comparison chart that we had up during the presentation, um, that shows you where we're at in comparison with Michigan utilities. Um, and I can tell you that you know other folks are um, dealing with that. Um, I'm also going to you know, kind of ask Mr. Foster to weigh in on that. I know Mr. Foster, as a professional rate consultant, does deal with other communities and you know can offer some additional perspective um, that, that could be valuable. So, Mr. Foster. Thanks, James. And Commissioner Cooney, uh, it's a very good question. Uh, the chart that James showed, the comparison with other Michigan communities, is the result of some work that uh, that I did just in the last few weeks, quite frankly. Uh, and you know, this proposal for Kalamazoo is trying to get ahead of the game and face a lot of the challenges head on uh, to to get these 2023 rates in place uh, as soon as possible. Many other communities are, are evaluating the same challenges that uh, Kalamazoo's uh, evaluating. And uh, so the data that, that's reflected, reflective of them in those charts uh, hasn't taken action yet. Um, will they be going up 20%? I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that the, the level of challenge in, is uniform, but it is being experienced by everybody in the state. Um, particularly the, the sludge hauling costs, the chemical costs, um, and, and related utilities. In addition to, you know, the, James showed that, that chart on the capital improvements, Kalamazoo's got a pretty high capital agenda on the docket there, particularly in the water system. Those, that's a lot of capital investment to be supported by utility rates, uh, particularly when the cost of financing is increasing. So, so, so really, um, I think it's safe to say that every utility rate uh, payer in the state is going to be experiencing similar pressures, whether it's the same order of magnitude, I, I, I just don't know at this point in time. Thank you both. Um, so, see, what I'm hearing is that the root of the problem is twofold. One is we have an aging system. We need improvements in it you're making improvements that in the long run are really going to pay off for us 
and that's one issue. And then the second issue is inflation. Um, and, and it seems like that that's the root of the problem. Um, and from the charts you give us, it looks like we're still in the bottom tier among the states, among the uh, other municipalities in the state. And I think it's the communication with the community is really important. And um, I, I really want to emphasize that help is available. You show that here in the chart, and I think that has to be communicated to the community that um, there are ways that we're trying to reach out and help people meet these increases, because we know it's a hardship, especially at this time. So thank you very much. Thank you, Vice Mayor. Yeah, thanks, Vice Mayor. Other questions? Commissioner Pradel. Thank you, Director Baker, for presentation. Um, just to clarify, uh, Commissioner Hess and Commissioner Decker had um, expounded on your presentation, but just to confirm again for the public, so these rate increases would be effectively, it would be through the end of 2022 for wastewater, and then all of 2023. So the idea is, is that by doing these two uh, rate increases for wastewater and water, this fall, we shouldn't need to uh, ideally consider any rate increases until we're looking at 2024, is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, we, we would uh, categorize these rate increases as fiscal year 2023 rate increases, recognizing that there's a little bit of a staggered um, effective date of them, but it is our intent that that action would suffice for all of 2023. And then we would come back with recommendations that would be acted upon uh, under a schedule that would support uh, early January of 2024. Yeah. So largely this is, you know, uh, even though it looks like we're increasing rates twice in one year, this is really in lar large part proactive uh, for 2023. So I just wanted to, to note that and just have you touch on that a little bit. Uh, so the other thing as well, you know, you look at the inflation rate uh, in the U.S. Ending in June, it was 9.1%, which was a 40-year high. You know, we as municipalities, we're not immune from high levels of inflation. You talked about the, um, the solid waste removal and how significant that was. I mean, millions of dollars more than forecasted, primarily because of fuel costs and what uh, uh, dump sites were charging as well. So significant. And, you know, we're seeing that in, su in supplementals, meeting after meeting after meeting. And when you see, like, a supplemental in the uh, uh, consent agenda, I mean, that pretty much is saying, hey, things were more expensive than they thought were they were going to be. Um, you know, you mentioned about solid waste, but are there other things that you're seeing that uh, material-wise, labor, whatever, that are coming in significantly more than would traditionally be the case? And, and, and can you speak a little bit about how it's been hard to forecast because of such high inflation rates as well? Yes, Commissioner, thank you for the, the, the questions there, and, and certainly thank you for the comments as well. The, um, the cost escalations that we're, we're looking at, I'm going to kind of break them out separate from um, what we call operations from capital. So I'll talk specifically about operations. And within operations, we are seeing increased costs of fuel um, that are not just powering the city's fleet. That, that is a component of it. Um, we do spend a significant amount of, of dollars on city fleet gasoline and, and diesel fuel purchases. Um, I, I think it's worth noting and, and recognizing that diesel fuel um, really is an economic input to many, many things that we procure and transport. And so uh, some of the th projects of just um, shipping costs have gone up. Um, and then we've got to get into all of just the raw material costs. Uh, specifically, 
the uh, liquid transported chemicals that we utilize for water treatment additives and um, uh, both in water and wastewater. Uh, we're seeing significant cost increases on those. We're bringing those to the city commission in usually by every quarter, so every three months, we're bringing um, contract recommendations for chemicals. In the past, that was usually um, done either annually or uh, sometimes up to three years. So there's been some pretty significant uh, changes there. Uh, we've also followed kind of the ebbs and flows or ups and downs of uh, shortages or challenges of obtaining materials. Things like uh, brass for our lead service lines uh, have been extremely challenging uh, to obtain uh, to the point where we hit three months in a row in June, in May, and in April where we performed zero lead service line replacements. We cannot achieve 500 replacements per year if we're performing zero lead service line replacements in our most opportune months to do construction. So we've got to be prepared to procure and procure at um, extremely efficient rates and a really optimized procurement to bring uh, resources into the city. So good news on that is we're back up and running, um, but when uh, we're really struggling to, to even obtain materials, uh, you can respect that there's gonna be some cost increases associated with that. Um, in terms of the capital projects, I'm kind of stepping into this already uh, with a discussion about lead service lines, but we're seeing uh, typical just procurement, uh, excuse me, capital projects uh, in the range of 15 to 30% above what some of the original engineer estimates were. Um, some of the challenges also are with just procuring materials. So water main, um, the city is actually in the process right now to procure water main independently outside of the contract. So we're, it's out in our, our, our bid opportunities right now. We're gonna, it's our goal to procure water main just flat out uh, and then have it and give it to projects as we do projects. And the reason for that is given the information that we have right now, water main is some 40 to 50 weeks out. Uh, in other words, if we bid a job and awarded it today, the contractor that we awarded that work to would have to sit idle for about a year before they could start doing that work. So we wanna be proactive. So we're making changes now today so that we can get the water main ordered so that we can spend that time of uh, that lag time while we're waiting for procurement over the winter and the goal here is that to not materially affect our ability to construct capital um, in the spring and summer of next year so whether it's capital or it's just our operations and maintenance we're seeing um, some very significant material impacts to cost if uh if you have like material delays you know because of back ordering and and whatnot supply chain issues if that prolongs a project can that cause project overruns in that regard as well uh, certainly there's that, that risk and possibility and, and we've got a, a great um, engineering team. Some of them are, are here today to, to help support um, this work and, and what I uh, would like to talk about is how they've taken some of the projects and really kind of optimized their, their thinking around project delivery. So some of the things we've done um, when the opportunity arises that we've gone forward, awarded the work and that we've allowed additional time for completion. Parkview, which is under construction right now, was awarded back in 2021. We recognized that uh, on that project, we couldn't get valves. Large diameter valves were hard to come by. Uh, in fact, we, we couldn't get them. So we awarded the project and we 
kind of tacked on, if you will, a year to the project completion. So we're also doing that on our 33rd Street project that we, we talked about here today. That project is awarded. Uh, we've given additional time on the contract. Um, another thing that our engineers are, are looking to do, like we talked about, is order water main and get it coming um, here. And so it depends on, is the project delivered locally here by City of Kalamazoo? Is it delivered uh, by the Royal Commission through a partnership uh, with, with the Royal Commission? Uh, we do partnership projects that way. And that's how we do a lot of main replacement out in the townships. Uh, we also do work with MDOT. So each one of these lead agencies has a little bit different um, exposure, if you will, or priority for how they implement projects. But uh, we've got a lot of flexibility and really with the goal to continue to deliver the project and recognize uh, an attempt to minimize uh, cost overruns and everything else. One of the uh, things I think we should be really proud of uh, as a city in the last year is uh, the rating agencies gave us a boost uh, in uh, our rating. And one of the things that they noted was you know, strong management. Hats off to you guys. Um, and the other thing that they mentioned was just that the willingness of, of uh, this commission to uh, make capital improvements and catch up from decades of disinvestment. Um, and uh, I was just wondering if you could speak to that in, in terms of like what impact that has on, you know, this rate increase as well. Yeah, I think I just, I'll give a broad response before I turn it over to Mr. Foster, but, uh, you know, really just uh, with respect to that, anytime that uh, the, the utility itself represented by first city manager Jim Risma, finance director Mr. Vicente, uh, certainly I play a part in this as well, but anytime that uh, that management team can represent strong management and decision-making skills, that's gonna reflect positively. Um, you also have fin financial targets within your water and wastewater utilities. Those are metrics that we must meet. There's a, there's a major, uh, very significant um, component to that. And then certainly city commission, a city commission that's supportive of investment in the community, supportive of uh, rates as needed to support the utility are gonna reflect very, very positively upon the rating agencies. So that's just some broad responses and I'll turn it over to Mr. Foster for perhaps a little bit detailed comment. No, I think James, you're spot on. I think um, um, I, I'm actually going through some rating agency reviews with another client uh, today that I was earlier. Um, and, and I would echo that, you know, it, it, one, it, it's great look at the community to have positive credit ratings. And um, notwithstanding any financial realities, that's always something to strive for. But more importantly, it controls the cost at which you can borrow to finance these improvements. So the recent positive ratings outlooks undoubtedly led to lower than would have been otherwise borrowing cost the last time the utilities were in the market for, for bonds, which was last spring. Um, and, and, and looking forward, continued ability to deliver on promises of financial performance and investment in the systems ought to be looked favorably upon by those agencies as well and lower borrowing costs for future capital improvements, which is, you know, critical for the water and wastewater utilities in the city given the size of the programs. So, uh, yeah, I would echo, echo everything James said and, you know, Frankly, these increases are designed to keep reporting strong metrics. And that's one of the reasons why wastewater has a little bit of a two month uh, uh, jump on water is to, is to make sure that the 2020, it has some positive impacts on the 2022 financial performance, 
so that we can continue to have positive metrics to, to have it, to show in those conversations with the agency analysts. Basically, you know, higher rating means that we can do more with less and save taxpayers money. Uh, last, last question here, I'll ask, appreciate your patience, everyone, but uh, so if, if, if we were not to pass a higher rate now or to what needs, what you're proposing here, then what? No, certainly, uh, Commissioner, I, I thank you for that question. So, in other words, if uh, staff recommendations for uh, rate increases were not approved by the City Commission, um, going forward, what would the impacts look like? Um, and, and certainly, um, I think it's important to recognize that uh, the work that uh, we do, the work that we discuss, the $300 million investment over uh, the next five years, um, all the great work in the community in investment in treatment, investment in lead service line replacement, investment in cast iron main replacement. Um, a lot of that uh, could be impacted or may be impacted by um, some of those rate challenges. Um, some other more nuanced or more detailed um, as we get into it could be um, some of those financial metrics that, that we talked about. So there could be um, some financial metric impacts um, to that. I, you know, with respect to all that, I did want to mention that uh, the water and wastewater utilities are, you know, utility funded. They're, they're essentially um, user-owned systems in, in that the users uh, pay uh, user fees, your water and sewer bills, and that we operate and maintain the system and we invest in the capital and system. There's not a profit-making portion of this, um, so there's no profit that's being made. Um, the dollars that are generated within the enterprise funds must stay within the enterprise funds. So um, there's no dollars that are going uh, to other city programs or, or things of that nature outside of you know what's clearly defined um, within you know some of the, the, the policies that support uh, the department as well. So a bit of a broad uh, response, but I do recognize that uh, you know, there's always uh, the, the need to take some action. Uh, and that uh, these are these are challenging times, and this is certainly um, you know very critical uh, you know and, and very serious decisions that, that need to be think be made, uh, and we thank you for that. Thank you, Commissioner Pradel. Commissioner Juarez. <clears throat> uh, we just want to give you guys props for the work that you've guys been doing and making sure that the residents of our community have a good water system and, and the magic that goes behind and the work that goes behind um, your typical residents going into their kitchen and turning on their water to boil water for dinner or to take a shower or to flush the toilet. Um, there's a lot that goes behind it that I feel like a large portion of our community doesn't understand. Um, and that being said, I want to just uh, make sure we express um, that, all that work that goes behind that, right? Because I don't think twice about when I go into the bathroom or when I go into my kitchen and I'm using water. I don't think twice about how it comes out or what all the work that goes behind that, right? It's just a simple turn of a knob and it happens, right? And so um, uh, a lot of people don't understand the complex system we have in Kalamazoo, um, the hard work that you and your team do on a daily basis to make sure uh, that continues to happen for the residents of Kalamazoo. And uh, I just wanted to make sure people understand that, you know, it's not just
we go and turn on faucets and that's it, right? Um, that being said, I just want to give you guys um, kudos to you and your team, man, and the efforts of being on the front line of upgrading our systems, making sure our systems are up to date and, and, and making sure our residents have good quality water um, and waste management, right, wastewater. Um, and so I just, um, one question I did have is, let's say September 16th comes around and we do vote on this, and then how do you inform the public? How does the public, does the public just get a bill and say, whoa, I gotta pay more now, or what's the process behind that? Yeah, thank you for the um, questions and comments, Commissioner Warrow. So one of the things that uh, you know we will be doing is uh, working out with uh, customer stakeholder groups, things like our contract customers to try to get the word out. Um, we have developed some really strong relationships with, with media. We've got uh, Mr. Mike Smith uh, with our communications director here in the city that's gonna be helping us to push some of this information out as well. Um, we do have um, some, some trifold um, documents that uh, you know we, we publish and advertise what our rates are but you know what I'm hearing is kind of a, a request to perhaps push a little harder than where we had before um, you know so I think we can go back to staff with uh, some recommendations of you know how do we communicate out uh, what are some options uh, so maybe we can um, consider some pathways moving forward to, to really let everybody know what's coming and when they, when they can expect it and what are the dollars contributing for? What does this get you in terms of investment back in your community? So I think uh, let us work on that and bring some more items forward. Yeah, exactly. I think one of the things, if our community understood the amount of wins and successes we have in our water system, the more they could buy into the fact like, okay, yeah, I gotta contribute, right? And so there is a ton of wins we have when it comes to water and waste water, right? Um, and so uh, that would be, uh, really good just to get out into the community. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Commissioner Decker. Thank you, Mayor. Um, thank you, Commissioner Juarez, for also stating that. And uh, the reason that I say that is, you know, I'm on a couple of neighborhood groups, and there was a gentleman that was voicing his concern regarding getting a bill, and he's like, did I miss something? You know, and... Um, I think, again, having you and your team and your staff do that outreach, having our communications director here now, Mr. Smith, you know, that is one of the reasons why we hired him on is to get this information out to the community so they will know. So um, I just want to thank Commissioner Juarez for, for making that point. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Commissioner Juarez and Commissioner Decker. Other questions for Director Baker at this time? So for, first of all, what I would like to say here is uh, a thank you to everyone who's on the commission. It is, uh, continues to be something that is unplanned but just happens. You get a group of people together that are involved and care about a topic, and uh, I would say the questions, the recognitions, it all gets covered. Uh, and uh, that, that's the great thing about being in community is that uh, because we all bring our own thinking to this, uh, and we are, are working together as a team. These, a, a lot of this, uh, the comments that are made and the questions, you know, when it, by the time it gets to me, it's, the ground's been covered. So I, I appreciate that very, very much. And I also want to remind all of us is that 
This is the Committee of the Whole. The room's not full. I know this is being broadcast, but we're going to be talking about this two more times because we're going to have the first reading on September 6th, and we're going to have the actual vote on Monday, September 19th. That's when the actual will be. It will be both on our agenda, but two separate votes, one on wastewater and one on water rates. So that means that some of these good comments will probably be repeating, but they're worth repeating. So uh, let's not assume that it's a one and done on this. We don't need to say it again. So that probably relates to my comments as well. Uh, you may hear me say this again. In fact, I'm certain you will. But uh, it is often the case that when these kinds of actions happen, I mean, the, the headline is probably going to be 20% increase. Sounds like a big number. 20% increase in, uh, in, in rates for water and wastewater. And that, you know, that sounds big. It's a big number. And I will suggest, though, that if you do look back at the dollar amount here, what does 20% mean, you will see that it's not, a, it's not necessarily a huge, huge sum on the dollar side. And when we think about this somewhat relative, when we think about what are we paying for our phones, for our internet access, for other entertainment that we have come to expect to have as part of modern life in our homes, and that this is still a deal compared to all of that. For me, uh, here's how I see this, is that I think as a country and us here, we are in the middle of what I will call a, a consciousness reset. And that's been driven by a few big things, but certainly our community health, COVID, a, a heightened recognition about how we have been treating each other fairly and unfairly in this country and how we need to do differently about that. And it hasn't been just one event. It hasn't been something that happened on 9-11. Uh, on it has been an event that's been rolling now. We've been in the midst of it for uh, over a couple years. And I think that one thing that's coming out of that is this sense of, of going back to the basics in a certain way recognizing that relationships are important, that family is important, that community is important, that we need each other, and that it is critically important that we support each other and make sure that everyone who lives in our community has an opportunity for hope and individual aspiration. And so I think for me, and I, don't, I hope this is drawing too big of a comparison, but part of that back to the basics here is something that the city provides to 25,000 people plus, I think, uh, maybe more across our community, and that is something we tend to be cavalier about. Like Commissioner War has said, don't even think twice about turning on the faucet or hopping in the shower. Don't even think about that infrastructure. We don't even recognize what a foundational important benefit that is for all of us. And, and I will suggest that, you know, we talk about health and we talk about community health and we talk about, you know, access to, to doctors and hospitals and that work that we don't do at the city, that actually this work contributes as much to community health as anything that happens in our community. And when people have begun to gather in cities, and that started really in 3000 BC, where we've started 
communities of people started to manage, how do we manage these things? And we look all across the, the world right now that across the world, unclean water still poses significant risks for large portions of the people that live on this planet. Uh, counts for uh, over 2 million deaths annually, 90% of that in developing company, uh, countries, half are children, and this is related to things that are addressed by having clean water. Things like just diarrhea, infections, malnutrition, uh, primarily due to the ingestion of fecal pathogens from animal, animals and humans. And this is the system that addresses that. So it is not something to take lightly. Uh, we also hear broadly a conversation about water and critical diminishment of water resources in large portions of our own country. And here we are with access to water and recognizing how important that is, that what a contributor it is. So let's be serious about that and not, you know, not forget, you know, in some ways the miracle that it is that we have a system that we can trust to turn on the tap and we're not going to be making somebody sick in our house. That's the point of it. So profoundly important, and, and that's, I'm hoping, can be part of the headline on this here, is our recognition of this profoundly important infrastructure that we have. And, and not just, although I get it, you know, the idea of an increase in, in uh, the cost for this. This was already mentioned by Director Baker, but this is our system. This is not a profit motive driven system. A lot of water distribution systems now are privately managed, as a matter of fact, in the world. That is a coming thing. This is a publicly owned system that, that covers its costs. It doesn't driven by any profit motive here. So this is our system. We're doing this for each other, and like I said, I'll be saying these things again, but we have the luxury here on the commission of expecting that we have city administration from the city manager's office right now that are gonna have people with expertise and experience and commitment to this work who are doing the everyday work here at the city of Kalamazoo, and that we can trust that work and by our supporting it through these actions, make sure that good work continues to get done. So that's my thoughts on this, Director Baker. It's, uh, it's, it's funny, I joke with people because uh, I get in my mailbox the Water and Wastewater Digest and uh, a couple of these other periodicals which I read in my free time at home and sometimes uh, point out to you articles of interest in there and uh, I sometimes feel like, wow, am I a nerd? And, uh, but at least I got another nerd who is uh, willing to be excited about some of those things and you're our nerd. So I appreciate that. Uh, thanks very much for your presentation. Uh, anything else, Manager Risma? Um, I just want to add on talking about team and those that support the work. Um, we have a wonderful, incredible uh, leadership team, starting with 
James Baker, our director. Uh, Deputy City Manager Chamberlain is, uh, provides administrative oversight for, for the utilities. Uh, we have Deputy Director Teresa Johnson that is involved in the day-to-day -day operations. And it was alluded to, we've got a couple of folks in the audience. We have Anthony Ladd, who is our Public Works uh, Division Manager, so uh, engineer overseeing these projects. And we have Loretta Sanders, Ed Sellers Evans, uh, Support Services Director, uh, our Division Manager. So uh, it's all these folks working together that make this system and this city operate. And I just wanna thank them uh, for their great work and dedication, and we can be proud of what we have here in Kalamazoo. Thank you very much, Manager Ritzma, and thank you to the whole team. Uh, now is the opportunity for commissioner comments on any topic. Anybody want to take advantage of that? For Committee of the Whole? Just a reminder, we do have a business meeting coming up. It will be on Tuesday, right? Our next business meeting, not on Monday night because it's uh, because of Labor Day. And so we will have, uh, at that meeting, it'll be a regular meeting. We're going to have a Committee of the Whole uh, at that time is right, Manager Ritzma. So a uh, couple more exciting meetings coming up uh, right here next week. Seeing no comments, then I'm going to say thank you one and all. It's a pleasure to be with you this evening, and we're adjourned.